Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh without peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. Hello, Jennifer Laird. Ooh, hello. Should we use your real name? No. Since you called me no. Jennifer? no. No, and no. Apparently, Elise is not on her birth certificate. <laughs> Are we really going to go there, or do we need to start this over again? I'm not so sure about you outing my real name. I won't say it. <laughs> I don't feel good. Brianna. Just kidding. It's not Brianna. <laughs> I'm not a Brianna. <laughs> Although my kids did have this, you know, they watch... Um, there was some YouTube person, person who just had a baby, person, and there person. was big news at my house of, did you see their, their video and their, you know, I don't know who these people are, and I should maybe know who they are, but there was big banter among the girls about um, somebody having a baby in YouTube land, and then um, she, oh, I was trying to um, put the podcast up um you know, do all the little things, and so I had it playing in the background, and my 16-year-old goes... Mom, Elise just said uh, Tallulah's name. Does she have, like, permission from Tallulah to say her name? I was like, uh, no, I don't think she does. And she goes, do you have my, like, do you ever say my name? And I'm like, I don't think I really do. I just say, you know, my, the ages of my girls, right? And this one and that one. And she goes, yeah, some of our YouTube, the people I follow on YouTube, they have, like this whole thing about what if their kids don't want to be on it, that's just fine, and all this consent. I'm like, yeah, good for them. Except the difference between my podcast and YouTube, a uh, big difference. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I use her name without consent. She's yeah. mine. Well, you can work on that. I know, okay. but I did not give consent for you to use my real, it's not a fake name, it is my middle name. Oh, that's true. Jenna, it feels so good to be back in this office and just talking about nonsense with you. <laughs> we had to kind of hold it together and act all professional-like. We were at mm-hmm. a very professional conference over the weekend with a lot of other professional people talking about <laughs> professional things. We were very business-like. <laughs> I wore my big girl shoes and my big girl pants. <laughs> Didn't you wear a dress? I did. Yeah. On one day, there you go. Jen did wear pigtails one day, though. I did. That was her. Those were her big girl pigtails. You yep. should know. <laughs> well, it was Saturday, and it was a beautiful day. And when you've been in a conference all day on Friday, like literally, like all day, all day, eight in the morning to five o'clock, and then there are ten minute breaks between sessions that go an hour and a half long. The point of this conference was not to chit chat with your neighbor; it was to learn things. My goodness. Oh my goodness! And it was a heavy one, but we met some really incredible people we did and shout out to all of you really awesome people because we talked to you all and told you about our podcast and i know you're listening so we think you're awesome we're making little heart shapes for you right now there's little um, now i feel like a youtuber that my kids follow heart shape yeah (laughs) there's some inside jokes that we wish that we could say but it probably would be inappropriate there are some hashtags right now if you weren't there it'd be inappropriate to share them in this space. So. I know, I know. But I'm so happy. Although 
as happy as I am to be in this office with you, I was actually just thinking about how much I miss podcasting on your bed. Oh, me too right oh, now. Remember that day? Oh. If you have listened to all of our episodes or a lot lately, you may remember a few episodes ago where we curled up in Jen's bed with her dog and we YouTube. We, we YouTubed. Oh, my goodness. Maybe we should start YouTubing. <laughs> Maybe we should YouTube. Yeah. I wouldn't even know what to do with that. And I also have like a very awkward head bobble that I do when I talk. <laughs> Especially when there's a camera on me. If you, you have been... Oh, that is so true. You do. Right? Yeah. You should see my wedding videos. Oh, my gosh. You do have a very awkward <laughs> head bubble. Oh. I mean, bobble? Bobble. Not bubble. Bubble. I mean, there isn't a bubble that goes around your head. Right. Not like always, right? But now that you're watching me, I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go to our social media, you'll see our like... I know. I'm always plugging the social... You will see our, like, one-minute, um, what did we call them? We have just, like, some learning things. They're actually pretty cool. You can learn a lot where yeah. I talk about how to give sips of water during labor. Or we did some other great things, too. Yeah. But you can see my very awkward head bobble. Or if you really want to see it, you can come to my house and watch my wedding videos. <laughs> but anyways... We were sitting on Jen's bed podcasting a couple weeks ago, and we were curled up in her bed with hot coffee and Baxter the Dachshund, and it was delightful, and I kind of wish we could do it again. Yeah. So um, we're just going to imagine that we're snuggled up closely. Yeah, because I'm kind of tired today. I know. We might fall asleep. Some uh, You had the worst of it all, but I, I feel it today. Yeah. I think um, going back to this conference, amazing learning opportunities, um, really, really great content. And I'm grateful that um, for the people that were at this conference to know there are, I feel solidarity with um, people who are doing the kind of work that we believe in and um, learning new concepts. Um, that gives me a lot of hope for the ways that we can support people in the childbearing years. And mm. Um, we were even in one, um, one workshop and a person who has been doing this type of work had this revelation and kind of shared it. We were talking more about a physical ailment and she's like, are you kidding me? I've been doing this type of work in this realm for many, many years. And this is the first time I've ever heard about this. And then she had some own, I don't know, just aha moments about her own experience um, post-birth. And so it reminded me just how many things we don't know. And not only that we don't know, but that we don't have the support around. And the things that um, I think one of the huge reasons we're doing this podcast is so we hear less people saying, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Yes. And um, man, this would have been easier if only I'd known this. And so if there's any place of a reactionaryism of, um, you like that word, reactionaryism? Another one of Jenisms. There's mine. Um, is if I think about why I do um, parts of this podcast, it's because if I could go back and maybe know some of the things I know now, um, I would probably have engaged with this process with less fear and more confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not a regret of my experience, but it's how then can I empower other people um, to be who they are and have some confidence and feeling of power um, as I go through this, just to know how to ask questions, to 
um, know what options might be. Um, and I think even today's topic is kind of close to my heart. To be really honest, I had no idea what a cervix was um, and what it was supposed to do. And I heard about that I might have um, some discharge and it was called a mucus plug, but I didn't know the hard work that my body was doing in early labor. It was all for me about dilation and how disappointed I was when I'm three centimeters and I've been doing this already for 12 hours. What? Well, I think that our bodies are such a mystery. I yeah. mean, we all have health class in high school, right? But it's it seems to there's no standard in it. We're all learning totally different things, and I think a lot of us feel really awkward. I know for my for me, I didn't grow up talking about bodies, so I was kind of the weirdo in the family that you know we didn't talk about bodies. And then I'm like, hey, not only do I want to work with women's bodies, but now I want to go and talk to people all over about bodies publicly. And in a way that they can't even see my face while I'm talking about it and I can't see their face. Hmm. Um, but I want to tell everybody about bodies and, mm. and lots of odd, you know, sort of awkward body functions. But mm. we don't, we don't talk about bodies, you know, right. so we're, we're not talking about bodies. And then we're suddenly in, a, in health class for the first time when our bodies are already functioning in this way. And we're not, probably not really paying attention. I remember I was like passing notes in health class. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I already know about my body. When honestly, I didn't because everything I learned, I learned from my big sister. And, right. you know, she probably did the same in her health class. Well, I'm just thinking about the number of people um, that think that because um, labor takes some time, there must be a problem with it because our preconceived ideas is that this should be short and sweet and it's just a quick process. Whereas, right. um, it's, um, it's like recovery. I, I mean, I, even for my own body, I have expectations for recovery. If I had like my surgeries I had on my wrist, like I should be back up and feeling fine the next day. And instead I'm moving my arm and having blood seep through my bandages because I'm too active with my arm. Right. It just got sewed together, you know. Um, so I feel like there's not, um, what we're going to talk about today is um, going to be a little bit of an anatomy class, but really it's to um, highlight how our bodies work so that we have a better understanding of the normalcy of what happens in childbirth and why it might take some time. Yeah, I I wish this is one of those times where I wish we could actually be face-to-face -face and have a YouTube here hmm. so that you could see us and we could show you some pictures and our little baby doll and pelvis and mm -hmm. we could show you some pictures of a cervix because that would be so awesome. But I think what we really – I think there are so many people out there that don't know a lot about bodies, so I don't – if you're sitting here listening and you're like, I don't know anything about a cervix oh, yeah, or totally this fine. was really foreign, don't don't feel ashamed. There's no shame here. There's no self-blame or, you know, this forgive yourself on this. And this is a great time to learn. You're going to know so much about your body by the yeah. time you have this baby. Um, there, there's a lot of women out there that, that don't know where their urethra is, that think they pee out their vaginas. Like we, we have so much to learn about mm -hmm. our bodies. So this is a starting point. Great. Uh, this isn't about the cervix, but you want to, um, tease out a little bit of more of what you were just talking about there with the pee hole and the, 
uh, vagina. I know I went way off topic, didn't I? You did. So bring us like just <laughs> don't just throw that out there without explaining. <laughs> you want more? You want more of this? But I, yeah. I mean, my point there is that I think a lot of people don't know where anything belongs in their anatomy, and that was one of the things that I looked at. Somebody and was like, "This is this is why people don't know." where all the parts of their bodies are that your urethra is not inside of your vagina where is it it's up much much higher gotcha by the clitoris yeah okay so i should clarify right Um, yes please so sometimes people think that your urethra is actually inside of your vagina and it's not so let's back this way up. Let's do a real quick anatomy lesson. So Very we're quick. all on the same page. Uh-huh. So your vulva is all all the parts, all the bits on the outside. Let's do a little quick top to bottom. You've got your labia, which is the labia majora, labia um, menorah, menorah, the 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 outer lips, the inner lips, or as Jen likes to call them, what were you calling them earlier? The, the flap. F- Flappy parts. The flappy parts. <laughs> the ruffles. The ruffles. <laughs> I heard somebody call them the ruffles over the weekend. I was yeah. like, I like that. They're like, well, they're kind of like, like the, the bed skirt. They're kind of what protects <laughs> everything inside. Oh, which brings us a lot onto our topic today. It's all the like protection parts. So right. this is like first layer protection right here. It's like your bed skirt. It's keeping yeah. the it's 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 the dust ruffle of the vagina. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well The said. labia is the dust ruffle of the vagina. There you go. Ooh, I feel like I should get a bumper sticker that says that. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, a, and then you right inside the uh, the dust ruffle, you've got your vagina. So, a lot of people talk about the outside, which is their vulva, as their vagina, but the vagina is actually the inside part the the vagina is the birth canal essentially it's right. it's it's the vagina tube it's where the baby comes on down um, you can't ab- see me but i'm doing a dance of the baby sled not but down. above above the vagina is the urethra and that is a whole separate tubing meaning that um goes up and into the bladder so when yep. you urinate it is coming through a different at your pee hole hole than what um that second hole is, which is where, you know, um, where blood, when you have um, menstruation, so yep. when you get your period every month, it is not coming out your urethra. That's it right. is coming out of your vagina. Yep. So you've got your vagina. Above that, you've got your urethra or your pee hole. And above that, you have your clitoris. Yep. And then around all that, you've got your labia. So then going down, um, below your vagina, you've got your perineum. We talk your we talk about your perineum a we ton. Do. And I realize we've never discussed the perineum. Yeah. So, so the perineum is the space between your vagina and your anus. Mm-hmm. And that is the space that we're, like, really hoping to protect when your baby comes out. That's right. the area that's most likely to get a tear in it. Um, when baby comes through. Yeah, that's yep. sensitive tissue um, that is very elastic during birth. So it's a space that is really, um, as you're pushing, 
that's why you don't push once and a baby comes out typically. Right. Um, that's but why also you hold your baby up too. Yes. You push lots of times, and during that pushing, that area is getting thinner in a good way and elastic. So, and hormones involved in uh, the last bit of your pregnancy are helpful in making that thin and elastic so that um, it minimizes there being any tearing. Yep. And then the last little bit under that would be your anus. So your yeah, bum. That's where you poop poo. out of. Yep. So you got your poo hole, your perineum, your vagina, your pee hole, and then your clitoris. So if we've Dust gone... ruffles around. If, if <laughs> very technical terminology. Yes, very technical. So if we've gone through the vagina, we've traveled through the vagina. Oh, yeah. I feel like we're on the magic school bus exploring. We are. The, okay, everybody, we are like the Miss Frizzles right here. <laughs> Jump inside the magic school bus and let's travel into the vagina. And for those who do not know the magic school it's house... It's still on television. Ma- not the magic schoolhouse, the magic oh, sorry. school bus. Sorry, this sorry. A- I always say it wrong. The magic school bus is this teacher um, who's who dresses in really funny dresses, and they get into a school bus, and then they usually become microscopic and like go into the body or go into a flower or something like that. It's pretty. It's a. Fun it's amazing. Kids it's still show. on television. Like yeah. new episodes are being put out wow. and stuff. My kids still. know it. Yeah, it's been we- a long time. So okay, we're the Miss Frizzle of the vagina right now. Here we go. So now we're going to travel on up, and bonk, our school bus just ran into (gasps) a cervix. A cervix. But wait a second. We can't get into this cervix. Why not? Because it's pointed towards the back. Ah, so we're going to have to go go south a bit here towards the spine. Whoa. To even see, even get close to the opening. Okay, let's do of it. Of the cervix. Whoa. <laughs> awesome. Here we are. Here we are. But you know what? It's not an easy place to get into as well because oh. there's this collection of mucus here <gasps> preventing us from going straight in. What is that? It's the mucus plug. Wait, Yay. what? Oh, okay. Caution. Caution. Do not Google image the mucus plug. All you have to what, do. What, I'm going to do it now. What do I say? Don't there? do it. Don't okay. do it. If you want to know what the mucus plug looks like, simply close your eyes, unless you're driving right now. Close your eyes and imagine what a mucus plug must look like. And that, my friends, is what a mucus plug looks like. Brown snot. Or green. Or, or yellow. Green. Yeah. Or white. Or a little pink with some red and some brown. All the colors. So if if we're going with the analogy of being in the magic school bus near the <laughs> cervix, um, you can't see it. Well, we did not plan for the magic school bus. We, when did we started not. this road trip. So what uh, what um, what we're talking about here of that like kind of snot like consistency is something that you would see in your underwear um, as your body's getting ready for labor. So um, it's not something you see by being in the body. It's not like your doctor's going to look and go, yep, there's your mucus plug. Mucus plug. It's it's not quite like that. We're using that for analogy's sake. Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing. It doesn't just, well, sometimes it comes out and it falls right into the toilet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it falls out in bits. Yep. And you see some more of that, like, snot-like or just clumpiness in your underwear or as you wipe yeah sometimes you never see any of it because you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and hopefully you're not turning on the lights every time you go to the bathroom 
Sometimes it comes out, and then you can get another one. Yeah. Multiple mucus plugs. Meaning your body regenerates. So, um, yes, we see a mucus plug as a sign that your body is getting ready for going into labor, but we don't see a mucus plug exclusively as this, like, big check mark of, yes, labor's close. Because some folks will lose a mucus plug 10 days before they have a baby. Other people will be in labor and not have noticed losing their mucus plug. So it's just one of those signs where we want you to know what it is going in your underwear and not be alarmed. But also it's not an affirmative sign of labor. So as a doula, I'm often asked, should I call you guys when I lose my mucus plug? (laughs) I'm like, heck no. No. (laughs) What am I going to do? There's really nothing to do. It's a watch and wait sort of situation. Yeah, you shouldn't do anything based on that either. I mean, other than like maybe just think about sleeping more over the next week. I mean, some people lose their mucus plug during labor too. Um, It really, it just means that eventually you're going to have a baby. Also, listening to this podcast means that eventually you're going to have a baby if you are pregnant while you're listening to this podcast. Just so turns out. So, um, mucus plug. So that's going to fall out eventually. What else is going to happen? So that cervix is pointing towards your back. It needs to eventually sweep forward towards the front, which is bonkers. Did we mention? Bonkers. It is. But it, a cervix needs to, you know. And why is this bonkers? It's amazing. Did oh, we okay. talk about how amazing the cervix it is? Really that is. it even knows that it needs to, like, sweep around. That's I mean, true. what is this? So, so we're getting to the point here of this podcast, which is to go, yay, the cervix. It is amazing and under under cheered for as the hard work that the cervix needs to do in order to bring you a baby because dilation of the cervix gets all of the front and center rah-rah attention but the hard work that the cervix does even before dilation starts is really what we want to give more attention to so that you when you're like in early labor and working hard and you're like oh this is such hard work and then a vaginal exam is done and they're like you're two centimeters you're not like oh my gosh then why has this been happening because you did all these other things and and so one of the things that you have to do is you have a have a cervix that knows that it needs to stop facing your spine and sweep all the way around to the front. That is crazy that mm-hmm. your bonkers would be the <laughs> the technical term. It's true. Don't laugh at me, Jennifer Laird. <laughs> so, bonkers. That's bonkers. So old school. I, How old are you? <laughs> we, we will not discuss that or my first name. So <laughs> all the lies I tell. We will just imagine your incredible cervix with a superhero cape running around going, I'm amazing because it's an amazing <laughs> cervix. So why why does it need to go from pointing towards your spine to um, coming forward? Well, it sure would be tricky for a, cer- for a baby to come out towards your back, right? right? We need a baby there to come out in the front. Right. Your, you know, your vagina is towards the front. Right. So really what we're talking about is a passageway that's changing positions from one spot to another. Um, This is a circular 
Um, you can imagine a cervix as a circular tube that opens to release a baby through it. And so it must move forward. So that's also potentially hard work of early labor. And for other folks, um, that isn't, it just happens without contractions where it just moves forward um, mm -hmm. on its own. So that's the first thing um, typically that a um, hardworking cervix does is move forward. Secondly, what it has to do is it has to get um, shorter in oh, length. Oh, yes. So the way that we talk about um, the cervix becoming shorter is in percentages rather than like a specific number. Yeah. Um, we Like a, a number length, like centimeter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when... Um, when someone has a vaginal exam and they're told at term, so let's say you're 40 weeks, that your cervix is um, anterior, that means it's pointing towards the front, and that it's starting to shorten, and it's starting to get softer, then that would be a, a nice indication that it's pointing the right way. And when they say it's starting to get shorter, they may start using a number or at that point, there might not even really be a number to say. It's more like, yeah, it's shortening. They might even throw out a fancy term called effacement, mm -hmm. which kind of talks about all of those things. Right. The shortening and the ripening, like the softening. Yeah. It's one word that they might throw out, and that talks about it getting ripe, soft, short, and that all is included in that percentage. Yeah. What what's um, probably not um, meaning you're not really ready for labor is when someone say says you're long and closed and posterior. Yeah, that would indicate that your body at this moment is not really getting ready for labor. Um, that could change at any moment, but at this point, your body is not trying to get into you know in closer to labor now these are typical um things that we're talking about for our first pregnancy for subsequent pregnancies you can go into labor and that cervix quickly moves from um, back to front and effaces in a different way when your body's already um, done this process once before so um, we're, we're talking a little bit more here about first time pregnancy than second yeah. or subsequent exactly so let's kind of talk about what your cervix starts off feeling like it's nice and firm like your nose so if you're not driving or you have a spare hand touch your nose it's nice and firm right and i'm touching mine and then it gets a little bit softer like your chin and then it gets really soft like your lips or your cheek right it's super duper soft um that's how the progression goes of that ripening, that nice softness of your cervix and as it gets shorter. Um, but I love how Jen talks about it being like a nice juicy pear. Yeah, so if you've got a pear that you've gone to the grocery store and bought and you're like, oh, this isn't, this is really hard, right? Imagine that hard pear. The skin is very much intact. I mean, even to cut it, you're like, oh, I really got to take a knife and like cut, right? into it it's not squishy it's not ripe yet you put it into a paper bag you put it on the side a couple days later you're like oh yeah i forgot about those pears i bought you open the bag you stick your hand in and your your finger not only does it like go through the skin but it goes into the mushiness of the pear so that would be a very ripe pear that's a pear that is easily um changeable meaning with touch or outside 
uh, force, um, that it's it's a very um, soft way. and move gives way exactly, and that's similar how to the cervix does, where we look at it being ripe versus unripe. So when um, the term unripe is used, we're talking about cerv- cervix that's more it's harder. It's more like touching your nose than it would be touching your um, chin. And um, so it needs more time to ripen, kind of like, again, like that pear analogy where it is really soft and moldable and it's easily um, cut. Um, The skin's going to come off really easily. So just kind of thinking about the ripe versus non-ripe of what the cervix is, where it could change much quicker, right? And a ripe anything changes quicker than an unripe anything. Um, I think of peeling a banana, a really unripe banana. It is, you can't just stick your hand at the end of it and try to pull down at the very top of the peeling. That's hard. You got to almost get a, a knife and like cut that so you can start to unpeel. <laughs> You're making me nervous with all the cutting of the fruit, Jen. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no correlation here between body parts and fruit cutting. But um, with a very ripe um, cervix, I mean, a ripe banana, it's you just pull on that and it all just kind of falls off, right? right? And, and it's same with mushy. the cervix. Same thing with a, uh, a cervix. So that gives you that idea of when people are um, talking about a cervix as being ripe, that's more what they're talking about. It's much easier changed. Um, so that means that once you have the hormones going and the con- the work of the uterus with contracting, then that you, that um, cervix is much more likely to get shorter as well as to s- start to open, also referred to as dilation. So why is this all such a big deal? I think it's, you know, we give so much credit to dilation. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, how dilated are you right now? Or how dilated did you get in early, late, you know, at, you know, before you got to the hospital? Or how dilated are you before labor started? And I, and I think we just give way too much yeah. attention to dilation, especially during early labor. Yeah. Because, or, you know, uh, getting checked during early labor and we're not paying attention to what else your cervix is doing. Right. It doesn't matter how dilated your you are if your cervix is still really firm and long. Right. Because if it's nice and short and soft, it's going to give way much faster. Right. 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 Think about that pear just giving way. How much easier would it be to di- to dilate that pear if <laughs> to have it give way when it's nice and soft than if you're trying to dilate a pear that's really hard for, straight from the store underripe? It's there's no way. Right. So um, just comparing those, it's really really important to recognize all the functions that your your amazing cervix is trying to do. So it needs to do a lot of that during early labor and even leading up is very helpful too. So let's not just focus on that dilation. Dilation is also important though. We need to get from zero to 10 centimeters, but you have all of your labor to do that too. Yes. And so we'll at times have folks who will say, oh, I'm two centimeters dilated and about, about what, maybe 70% effaced. Yeah. Well, that means you are dilated, but there's still quite a bit of effacement to that softness needs to come to the cervix, right? Yeah. And they're walking around, not in labor, not anything. Are we more afraid of them and the fastness of their birth? Not necessarily. We yeah. know that their body's starting to get ready, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have the super swift birth. 
To me, it feels a little different with somebody who's walking around, let's say four centimeters, and this is a subsequent pregnancy, meaning that they already had babies before. I think about, oh yeah, you should, when you start contracting, if contractions get, you know, pretty consistent and close together within a couple of hours of that initial contraction, then I'm going to want to make sure that I'm around faster than I would be typically. But overall, um, walking around dilated one to two centimeters, not in labor is pretty typical. I mean, we we're celebrating with you. Yay. Go team go. And it doesn't necessarily cut down on the length of your labor. Right. Exactly. We, we get very excited, but we don't see it necessarily just happen faster, unfortunately. Right. Right. Yeah. So how does this all happen? There's two ways that it happens and when it all happens. So how does it happen? It happens because of hormones. Um, your body releases hormones to tell it to do this, right? Yeah. And, um, and then it also happens because the pressure of your baby's head on your cervix encourages some more of those hormones and makes changes to the cervix. So yeah. um, you can't just think your way into this labor. Mm. You can't drive over bumpy roads to make this all happen. You or... can't walk yourself into labor. Oh. We were just chatting with someone um, recently, and they were saying, um, in retrospect, thinking about their first birth, and they're like, oh, yeah, I walked and walked and walked. It was like I was going to walk myself into labor. Um, and... <laughs> And she walked herself into exhaustion. Yeah. And in retrospect, she's like, why didn't I just rest at the beginning of early labor instead of walking and walking and walking? And um, so we encourage um, some movement, right? Some getting up off the couch and going for a walk in early labor. But we also include go take a nap because we you don't actually know in early labor whether or not this labor is going to progress or if it's kind of a little um, ramp up and not actually the real game. Yep, exactly. Uh, some people jump on trampolines. Please, please, oh. all, all, all the oh. ways that I can beg, don't jump. Don't jump. Don't drive over bumpy roads. Save your pelvic floor. Oh, my goodness. Save your pelvic floor. Um, remember how we just talked about all those things on your pelvic floor? Please, let's yeah. not destroy that. Um, perineum. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Don't jump on a trampoline. That does not help bring your baby down in a safe way. That's not a good plan. Let's not do that. Um, so instead, let's let gravity help in labor bring your baby down. So when those contractions are going, let's make use of that. That can be really helpful to use gravity, but not try to start labor in ways that exhaust you. So once labor is going, using some gravity, don't just slow dance, but maybe do some side lunging while you're mm -hmm. slow dancing. Even tuck a little stool yeah. underneath one foot while you're side lunging, slow dancing. Does that make sense? So yeah. you're lunging side to side with one foot on a stool. Anytime you can get your pelvis tilted back and forth is great. We love changing the shape of your pelvis. That gives your baby more space to navigate that pelvis. So that his or her head just keeps kind of tilting to fit in there, find the right way through, putting more pressure on that cervix so that the cervix continues to dilate. Right. That's what helps keep, that's what helps to keep your cervix to di dilating. Whoa, tongue twister there. And so much of um, 
what this early labor part is about is your hormones yes. and your hormones releasing um, the necessary hormones, <laughs> your body releasing the necessary hormones for your uterus to respond to that and start to, to contract. And those contractions are helping pull up the cervix. They're helping, in other words, shorten it. They're also helping push down the baby into a different spot in the pelvis. So all of that is really, really important. Um, and it takes some time so again if we look back to having a soft and short cervix i see that as a much more favorable even if our dilation is not um high i feel like yeah you your your labor could progress quite quickly when you have a, a short soft cervix and a baby that's well applied to the cervix that makes all the difference in the world so to encourage you that it's not just a one tunnel vision idea of dilation is the only key here right there is the that's why we're going back to this idea of the cervix kind of with the the superhero cape on going i can do this i'm important i'm I'm amazing i'm amazing i'm i'm doing lots of hard work here as well um okay so we've all heard the stories we all know that person who's like just absolutely desperate to get into labor who wants to know what can i do We've seen the terrible things that we don't want you to do. We've talked about the jumping on the trampoline. We've talked about, you know, driving on the bumpy roads or eating the super duper spicy food, which only gives you pretty bad diarrhea. And, you know, then if you're throwing up in labor, you're just throwing up stuff that gives you heartburn. So what can you... Such a pretty picture, you. I know. I really love to paint beautiful pictures of labor, don't I? So what... Do we what do? What do you do, Jen? What do you tell that person? I, I mean, s- I'm desperate. I gotta get this baby out. I think I'm looking a little bit more at um, emotional stuff. Um, what's happening for you that you really want to have this baby out? Are you uncomfortable? Are you just anxious to meet this baby? All and validate those things. Um, for other folks, they're getting some. Pr- um, some understanding the risks of going um, too far post dates, post their estimated due date. And so they're, you know, managing that of maybe even some pressure from their provider that we got to get the show on the road. And so my suggestion actually is um, to do some, some resting because a body that feels stressed out is not one that's wanting to release a baby, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's some rest, it's some self-care tips, it's getting a massage or just, you know, again, some rest. It is also some activity. It is going for a walk. Um, it It is finding some stairs, you know, because I want to also talk to the people. I want to talk to the marathon runners as well as the people who are, like they really don't do much of a form of exercise at all. They're pretty sedentary folks, right? Not so fine. in and in between there, I think in if we're thinking about trying in early labor or trying to get into any type of labor, then it is important that there is some movement in the body and potentially going up some stairs can help 
to apply that baby a little bit differently onto the cervix. Okay, so are we just talking like walk up and down the stairs like a regular way, or are you talking about some fancy sidestepping? I think I'm actually talking about both. Oh, tell me more. So thinking about just walking, and I'm I'm even thinking about going to like an area park or something that has like a long set of stairs. Uh-huh. Right? If you've got a big amount of stairs in your house, sure, try that, but it just gets boring up and down, up and down, <laughs> right? So think about um, either steps or a hill, a major hill. And then um, fancy would be turning to your side and going up a step um each side how do i explain that without like, i used to call it, it crab walking until somebody actually did like the the <gasps> backwards crab no. walk uh-huh she had a super fast birth though so oh, i'm just boy. saying maybe it was the trick so it's side lunging up and down the stairs and so you're facing the rail and you're taking one leg so if i'm you know if my i'm tapping my leg if my right leg was facing the top of the stairs i would take my right leg and put it two steps ahead okay. and then I would lunge and then I would step up. You're going to have to do a little step up, mm-hmm. step down so that you're not keeping your left foot on and then doing a big one-footed right leap. So get creative on that. And then stepping up, squat down and up. Yeah. And then going back down on that same side, facing that mm-hmm. same rail and then going and facing the other rail. So now... Your left side is facing up yeah. and then going that way, up and down. Mm-hmm. I'm doing quite a few sets that way. So it's stair squats. Right. Much better than stair crab walking. But yeah. if, if you feel like you can do it, test it out. Let us know if that's a quick way to get a baby out. You could be the yeah. second person. Gosh. I can't do a crab walk not pregnant. So so there's that. Maybe. I don't know. Honestly, I haven't tried crab walking in like 20 years. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thinking about some other um, helpful practices. Oh, I've got a good helpful practice. Well, tell me about this helpful practice. Some sexy, sexy time. Oh, that's not <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> but to, do tell me more. Well, it's probably not very sexy, but it is sex. Okay. Um, so, less sexy, just sex. <laughs> um, um, if your partner is male... Um, then sex is, well, whether or not you have a male or a female partner, have sex. If your partner is male, semen has prostaglandins in it, and that helps to ripen your cervix. Mm -hmm. Um, so have sex. Both people should have an orgasm because that definitely helps with both oxytocin and to ripen your cervix. If your partner is female, you don't get the prostaglandins, but you still should certainly have an orgasm. Right. Um, But definitely, you know, hearing this podcast, you may or not think, woohoo, let's have sex and get this baby out. And at the time, you might think, oh, seriously, I'm so pregnant. There's no way I want to have sex. Sometimes getting the baby out sex is more about get the baby out I will do anything, including have yeah. sex. Yeah. Um, so I'm not talking sexy time sex. I'm talking right. get the baby out yeah. sex. We're also thinking about um, if you're somebody who goes to the chiropractor, yep. having an adjustment can be helpful. If you're somebody who's done acupuncture, then acupuncture can be very helpful for stimulating labor. Um, so 
those are a couple of things that really come to mind. Um, and then, of course, checking in with your provider. So if it's looking like um, you're going to need to have a um, induction, a medical induction by your provider, then really checking in with them to say, so I know we've got this induction scheduled. Are there some things you can think of that would be helpful for me to um, help get labor going on its own, or at least to get me more ready for labor. Um, so that's kind of a whole nother topic, thinking about, you know, estimated due dates and inductions and all of oh, that. Oh, we could do but, so many shows on that, Jen. But so that's kind of not the focus of this one right now. We're just talking about getting um, that, um, what the cervix is doing and how um, actually complex labor really is because it's not it's not just about contractions. I hope that's what you're hearing is that, um, yes, contractions are involved in helping the um, cervix change, but there's a lot that the cervix is doing to change. Yes, and it's not just about dilation. Step aside, dilation. You are not the star of this game, always. <laughs> Right, step aside, dilation. Effacement is really important, too. Is dilation like this alter ego of the cervix? Right? Also, I think the other other body parts should be super jealous of... Of the cervix? The cervix. Yeah, like you get to be the strong thing that stays closed for months upon months upon months. And then you get to get softer and move to the, uh, the front and then open. And right? then close again after the babies pass through. Right? That's all pretty darn amazing. That's you get a lot to make this mucus plug. Yep. You get to have something kind of cool like Bloody Show. We did talk about Bloody Show. We 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 touched on it just a little bit. So what is Bloody Show? Bloody Show is when the capillaries in the cervix start to break as dilation happens. There mm. can be some Bloody Show. Not only that, but Bloody Show would also be the name of my band if I had musical <laughs> abilities. I would have a band. <laughs> Bloody Show. Right? Or if, like, I knew a group of – I, I also, also thought it would be a really good podcast name, but I don't think we'd have so no, many listeners if it was called The Bloody Show. I don't think I could have been involved in that. No, no I didn't sorry. think – I didn't even throw it out there when yeah, we were okay, thinking about you. it. But I was like, wouldn't it be a great name for our show? The Bloody Show. <laughs> it actually kind of would be. Right? In a lot of ways. Maybe yes. we will do a, a show about another stage of labor and call it the bloody show episode. Yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, okay, so bloody that's what bloody show is. We'll talk about that some more in other episodes as well. But that is simply the capillaries in your cervix breaking down and having some some blood-tinged mucus. Yeah. Um, and I think that blood-tinged mucus downplays the amount of blood that we do see, but it's not right. a ton. I think this is a great conversation to have with your provider on yep. what is an acceptable amount of blood. Right. Um, yeah. And checking in with them. So that's bloody show. Yeah. In addition to my band. And and to know um, that that's a possibility and not to feel fearful of yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Um, so your yeah. amazing cervix gets to have a mucus plug and it gets to have bloody show and it gets to go from your back to your front, open up, get super soft. It gets to be like a juicy pear. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to be like a juicy pear. Yeah. Right? It gets to do, it, it gets to get big and then small, small. again. Yep. It's all in charge of the uterus in, in some ways. It's like the gatekeeper of the uterus. It is. It's making sure nothing goes in there that's not supposed to and making sure that nothing comes out of there before it's supposed to. Right? It's like I a mean, little drawbridge. If I was a knee... 
I would be like, whoa. Sure wish I was a cervix. Right? <laughs> I mean, the, between the placenta and the cervix, you just can't compete in life. The placenta? I don't know, though. I wouldn't want to be, you know... I, I don't you don't know. want to be a placenta. No, because you only got a, you got a very defined life, and then you're out. I know, but you're the only organ that you're grown for one purpose, That's and true. then your body gets rid of when your job is done. I mean, I don't. I don't. You've like got that. one purpose in life, and you do it, and then you're done. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not into that. I'd rather be a cervix. I'd I like, would too. I would be the gatekeeper. That seems more strong and um, resilient. And useful. Jen, you're kind of like the, the cervix of birth. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for that analogy. What in the world? You're like the doula. You're like the cervix is like the gatekeeper of birth. You're like making oh, sure yeah. it's safe and sacred and yeah. protecting and, you know, you're strong and you keep, you get rid of the mucus plug when it needs to go. <laughs> So, cervix. You're awesome, cervix. We think we think you are awesome and we think your cervix is so awesome and we think that you're going to your cervix knows what to do. And so we want you to trust your cervix so you don't need to tr- jump on a trampoline. Yeah, to tell your cervix what to do. So trust your cervix. We trust it, you trust it. We think you're awesome yeah. and your cervix too. Yeah. So, Thanks for listening. Check us out on social media, uh, especially on Instagram. We want to be your friend. Yeah. Be your friend on Instagram. We need more friends. We need more friends. Let's, yeah. be, let's be friends. And don't forget to subscribe to our show so that every Monday morning we pop up and you can listen to us. And when you have a four-year-old, make sure you check out Magic School Bus. I know, right? And now it's time for our bus to drive right out of your service. Everybody jump in your bus. Bye. Bye.